Hi, welcome to Carbon Design's Mindshed Podcast. I'm Scott Gellum, and I'll be your host today. We'll explore new ways of thinking, new technologies, and new insights to help drive business performance. So let's get started. Hi, today's guest is Antonio Ramirez. And Antonio, we've known each other for, I don't know, about five years now, I guess. About five years, yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny? I've we've worked because we've worked together at Pixel 506. I finally discovered today, and I intuitively kind of knew this, but I confirmed it today that 506 is the country code for Costa Rica. Yes. (laughs) Antonio is the founder and the CEO of Pixel 506. And welcome to today's show. We appreciate it and love to have you on here. And uh, before we jump into the main topic, explain a little bit about Pixel 506, what you guys do, and then we'll jump into a broader conversation about remote working. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I think, Scott, you're the first person to figure out the 506 portion of it. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm super happy for it. Um, I'm Antonio Ramirez, founder and CEO at Pixel 506. Uh, we're a tech company uh, based out of New York and Costa Rica. Uh, our vision is to be the digital leader at the convergence of tech and creativity. When we uh, when we created Pixel 11 years ago or more, our idea was to bring together two different cultures, which is the U.S. and Latin America. And at that point, uh, the 506 really stood out because it's my hometown, right, my country. And so I figured, well, if we merge the U.S. and the talent of Latin America, we can create something amazing. And that's Pixel is the U.S. and the 506 is Latin America. Oh, great. That's great. And and I, what got us to this conversation today is, you know, the the environment that we're in, everybody's working remotely. And if I'm thinking about working remotely, the place I would love to work remotely would be Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's happening in, in your country, what's happening with remote work, uh, what's happening with nearshoring, and uh, to get into that. But just as a way of background, our relationship has been this digital experience that we've been creating together for the last uh, four or five years. And I've always been impressed with your teams, their responsiveness, um, just the general work style. Very happy. Uh, always, you know, it's always been very engaging, uh, just great people to work with. And um, I think not enough people really truly understand when you work with a partnership. It's not only about the output, but it's also the relationship that's important as well. Yeah, well, happiest country in the world, right? So uh, uh, I, I think what happens, Scott, is that uh, when you look to work remotely or when you look to extend your team to another country or you know in the States or outside the States, you have to look for a partner. Uh, a lot of people look for a short-term type of deal, like, you know, like how much it's going to cost me, but they don't focus too much on the partnership. And so for the most part, clients and you and I, we've been working with this one client for what, three years now, uh, is that since the beginning is like, this is a long-term relationship. This is how we work. Uh, this is the methodologies we're going to use. Things are going to happen. People are going to quit, Right. But uh, the company will stay and the relationship will, will stay. So that's, uh, that's sort of like what you should be focusing on when you look uh, for a partner first. And then if you're looking for an offshore, nearshore partner, then that's, that's even more, more important because you're in communication all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's just back up a sec and, and just uh, let me ask you about how Costa Rica is dealing with, with COVID and the pandemic. And it's, it heavily relies on tourism. So I imagine the economy has been hit from the restrictions in terms of travel. How is it doing? How is it dealing with the dip in tourism and the restrictions on travel? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, because uh, Costa Rica has been dealing with it very, uh, very heavy on on containing the, the COVID. You know, a country of four million people has about twenty thousand cases, and also like uh, only like four hundred people has passed. Um, but the the thing is, the sectors that since since the beginning they shut down the airports, they shut down all the borders, and so the the. The sectors that include everything that is export. Costa Rica is built on export goods like agriculture. Tourism uh, is number one. Then it's tech and then is agriculture. And so no exports, no tourism, only tech. Uh, but not everybody's on tech, right? So uh, it's been hit really hard and they close all the beaches. They close all the hotels, but it's they're reopening right now uh, little by little. I yeah. think we got the first uh, plane coming from the from the states uh, yesterday. Oh, interesting. And, and you told me in the past conversation that they're really appealing to people who want to work remotely. So they yeah. things that are changing. Yeah. So it's very interesting. We rented a house at the beach for very cheap, right? Because it's it's only Costa Ricans right now in the country, but the rentals uh, starting next month are going through the roof. We've had, we haven't been able to get a house or an apartment because a lot of people from the States are coming to work remotely from Costa Rica. Now that everybody doesn't need to be in an office, you know, they can be right at the beach, right? Right. As long as you have internet and the system is reliable, you can just work from anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know the other thing that surprised me when we were down there a couple of years ago is how much Nicaragua relies on Costa Rica. I think I heard something like four or five million Nicaraguans are working in Costa Rica. Yeah, construction is uh, super high here. And so uh, the majority of people doing construction, picking coffee, cutting uh, sugar cane, uh, labor, very intense labor, they all come from Nicaragua. They work here. They go back to Nicaragua when the season is over. But for the most part, you know, it's always uh, construction sites. It's always Nicaraguans. Yeah. Yeah, that's super. But, but believe it or not, we have a Nicaraguan team that is a tech team, but they're working from Nicaragua, out of Nicaragua, which is, yeah. no <laughs> they go back and forth. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. So, so where else? To, you've been able to tap into a lot of talent in Central and Latin America and in South America. So where, where else do you have those teams? Where else are you finding talent? Sure. Um, so our main focus was Costa Rica. So Costa Rica education is, is very high. Uh, and then we move into different countries because Costa Rica is a small country, it's four million people, six million people total with all the foreigners, etc. And so we, we were short on talent. And there's every corporation from the U.S. has at least an office here, right? Like all that agencies, major corporations like Hewlett Packard, Intel, they all have offices here. So tapping into talent was little tight and the price is going up. Uh, so we were able to tap into Nicaragua. We have a team in, out of Nicaragua of uh, developers, designers, mostly developers. We have backend developers, frontend developers. And then we have uh, a team in Peru. And Peru is, is really good because uh, the time zone is the same as East Coast and the, the talent is really good. With each country comes different um, 
characteristics that you have to deal with, right? Like, for example, Costa Rica, most of the people are bilingual, especially in tech. And Nicaragua, not so much. You, so you have to do more digging. Peru is really hard. Uh, so the way we structure the company is uh, Costa Rica is the face because all the time here can speak English. Uh, and then we have Nicaragua and Peru as a, on the background, you know, doing the work. The client is always, uh, he, they always know where people are uh, from our teams, but they interact with one or two people, like project manager or product owner. That's who they interact with. Um, and then they know the team is there. The team participate on the scrum meetings, on the daily standups. Uh, but then again, like uh, maybe just one to two people talk to a client. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know in the past in uh, with various different organizations I work with, we've off we've offshored work, um, and there are certain hotspots around the world. India is often thought of, Eastern Europe, uh, especially for data analytics. How does it compare? Uh, and you like to call it nearshoring, which I I, I like that term. How does it compare to these other places that people are considering? Why should they be thinking about the opportunity in Costa Rica and in other Latin American and South American countries? Well, the, the first one, if you're in the U.S., time zone, right? Time zone is uh, our gold mine, I guess, right? Uh, we're, we're in the same time zone, right? So uh, East Coast is uh, same time zone or two hours ahead or two hours behind. Uh, Pacific time is, well, we're central, right? So if you're, you said we work with Chicago offices, same time, East Coast, one hour plus, uh, Pacific is minus one hour. But so in the, in the morning, people get into the office. If we have daily scrum meetings, it's the same time. So people go to, people go home. So your people don't have to stay late, you know, waiting for the call next morning, uh, for the other team, which allow, you know, at the beginning, it doesn't matter that much. But if you have a one-year project, that really adds up. Like, it really adds up the, the continuity of the project. Yeah, yeah. Talk about how you've evolved your business. I mean, you, we've all kind of started one place. And when we continue to grow, we find ourselves into all kinds of different spaces. So talk about how that's evolved over time and, and where client relationships are taking you. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, believe it or not, Pixel 506 started as a branding company, not as a <laughs> tech company. Uh, but it was harder for me to, to find those, those gigs. So every time I will do a branding for New York, New York University was my first client. And so every, obviously, they don't change logos or branding that often, right? It's like every, yeah. what, 10 years? So uh, every time I'll do something for them, they'll say, hey, can you code this? Uh, can, can you create their website? Right? And I will say, well... Sure. And so because I had connections and people I work with in Latin America, I was able to find the help to, uh, to do the websites and the job and, you know, get, get, get the product done. And so after a while, uh, and, and many clients after NYU, uh, I came to realize that there, there's a lot there that I can provide service. Um, and so I shifted from just the branding portion to the tech portion, right? And I always saw a gap between tech and and the design part, right? Um, techs are not too savvy on design and designers are not too savvy on tech. And that's where Pixel is in the middle of that and making sure this happens and this happens and that we can integrate both for the client. Yeah, that's great. And we've seen evidence of that. So um, 
you mentioned it earlier, but our first experience working together as carbon design and pixel, um, that client, the website started with a real need to actually update her branding, but was right. she was held hostage by her digital agency and really right. charged just um, enormous fees for things that should be very simple and, and very much within her control. They weren't. And being able to work within her budget to give her a new website and then to evolve that website to eventually being voted the best in the industry. But that requires a lot of different talents, requires a lot of different thinking, requires that, to your point, that combination of understanding of design and also then the functionality, right? And then understanding the, the way that that user experiences it. And then how do we construct the experience inside of the organization structurally, right? Um, and that's a great story. I mean, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of that website and how it's gone from it was kind of a quick fix to eventually yeah. a rebuild and eventually, um, you know, voted on as the, as the most uh, or the best website experience in the industry? Yeah. So, so it's very interesting because this, this client of ours, uh, she used to call me, she's like, the website is going to be ready, right? We have this deadline. I'm like, yeah, we have the deadline. It's going to be ready. I, I think, uh, and I, I think I mentioned it at the beginning, something that is really important is that you become the, uh, the trusted advisor. And for some people, tech is very dry. It's, I don't understand tech, right? Uh, people talk about AI. People talk about user experience. How does that become real? And so for this client, what we did is uh, we hold their hands uh, throughout the process, right? So we set up a pipeline meetings, we guide them through all the process, plus we execute it on, on, on creating the website. So we focus on three things. So one is uh, content, how you create the content for the web, how you create the technology that is going to support that content, and then how you make it searchable and Google friendly, right? So those three things we put together, and then we apply whatever strategy they created on the branding side. Uh, so that that branding can be carried through all the, the platforms that we created for them. And then once we release through the years, what we've been doing is uh, optimizing. A lot of, a lot of creating pro a lot of what happens when people create products is that they say, okay, well, I created my website or my application, and then they stop. And that's a mistake because Google changes, the world changes, the user changes. And so... Um, as you and I, we were talking before, there's a personalization, right? Like you, you need to start doing the personalization on the website or the platforms in order to keep with the market. And so with these clients, thank God they understood what we were saying. And so we continue to work with them through maybe two, three years now, optimizing the website through this, through this time till we get it to be the number one website, uh, legal website yeah, yeah. in the world. So just continuing down that path for listeners who are thinking about their website, what should they be thinking about? What's changed? What's going to change in terms of as it relates to how they produce content for their website? What are the what are the latest thinking or what's ahead of the curve or what's around the corner in terms of content? Producing it, right? Pr producing the content. Uh, as I said, a lot of people think a lot of... Uh, they, they think a lot of the content they need to create and, and they think of what they, what they do. They, they, they write content about what they do, but they don't write content that is specific for different audiences. And so that hasn't changed, right? That's, that's still the same. And you guys do it all the time, right? You, you create stuff that is uh, 
tailor to a specific audience. But something that is really important with content is how algorithms, crawlers, and algorithms are changing. So when you create content for uh, Facebook, it's different than LinkedIn. When you create content for Google, it's different than everybody else. So you have to learn a little bit of you know, how to create a content, make it specific. One content does not fit all. So you have to tweak it to make it uh, good for different platforms. Uh, I read, an, I read a, a little article on how to slice dice a, a piece of content. So I will say my recommendation is create a 400 word type of long format content and then dice it as much as you can for different platforms. That's yeah. a good strategy. Yeah. That's pretty funny because I can remember uh, having writing blog posts 10 years ago as I'm dating myself and <laughs> you wanted to get it to 1200 words and then about you know, three or four years after that, it was to get it to 800 words. And now we're down to 400 words in terms of the content. It's really hard to be able to have the discipline to be able to say we want and say it in a way that an audience understands it in 400 words. So there's a lot of, you got to really think about it. And then you got to spend a lot of time understanding exactly what you want to say to an audience in their language so that they can immediately pick it up. Because if you only have 400 words, you can't use internal words. You can't use internal acronyms, right? You have to use the, the voice of the audience so that they can grasp and retain and take something away. And only 400 words, that's tough. Really tough. So, so this is, you, you just touched on something really important there because uh, this is funny. A lot of people, they, they, they speak their language, their lingo, right? So with this one client, legal websites are specific terms, terminology, but technology is the same. Right. For us, for my company, we're technology agnostic. That means that we code in every language, we manage every platform, CMSs, etc. But for us, is it doesn't matter if you're a legal website or a car website, right? Like we we manage this website that is a manufacturer, car manufacturer, a Japanese brand, I cannot disclose, but it's an e-commerce, right? It's a huge e-commerce and they have like 400 people working on it, but it's an e-commerce, right? So uh, same with the legal website. It's, it's, it's a website. Uh, technology behind it is very robust, uh, but the lingo, like that, that layer, the user experience layer is what you have to focus on. If you're yeah. not an expert on tech, that's where you focus on, the user experience, how you communicate your, your brand, your message uh, through that layer. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned... Am I getting to tech? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned e-commerce because we, we've kind of seen this like second wave of e-commerce, right? Mm -hmm. with, with, with what has happened with the pandemic here. And a lot of small businesses really having to figure out how they can take whatever they're selling and put it online or even big businesses. How do we take things that are sometimes complex and sold through a field sales force or business partner and put it online? What have you seen from your clients in terms of what they've done differently or what they're doing with e-commerce in, in an environment where you can't get on a plane and go see a client and sign a deal? A lot of our clients, they were prepared. So they already had the platform. So it was really easy just to make the switch and add the cart and the payment system. Uh, for the ones that didn't, didn't want to invest before this pandemic, uh, it's been really hard because uh, they, um, you know, building a very good e-commerce takes a little, a little time. Right. So by the time we're going to finish a couple of the websites or e-commerce that we're creating, uh, probably the pandemic is going to be over. Well, 
I don't think it's going to be over, but <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be 2021. Yeah. So um, being ahead of the curve there was uh, important for the clients that listen and they wanted to create content and they wanted to create, you know, the, 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 they wanted to move to digital. Right? It's how we call it. But for clients uh, who are just catching up, I will say build something, uh, focus on two, three products, and then build from that. Because uh, we, I was just talking to a client yesterday, and he wants to have a hundred products type website or two hundred. That's not going to happen overnight. So just just focus on a couple of products, launch. And there, there's a term that we use in technology. It's called com- continuous integration, continuous deployment. And that's really key because that allows you to create in small pieces, launch, and continue creating launch, continue creating launch. Uh, what that does for you is you're out there. You're already out there. You're releasing. You're communicating with people on the outside while your tech team is producing, right? But a lot of people, they wait for it to be perfect to release. And that will take a year, right? So... It's, it's not that uh, it's not that good these days. <laughs> yeah. So are you telling everyone in the audience here listening that they're never done with their website? <laughs> they're never done with the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we call it website, right? But let's let's uh, let's talk about it. Is it's not a website? It's more it's a it's your store, it's your tools, right? It's your communication to a client. So that shouldn't be it shouldn't be done. It's a uh, it's a website in the in the front end, but Really, is your story, it's your communication. Yeah. How should we be thinking about, and I'm now thinking about our own site and our own digital um, properties. How should we be thinking about that ongoing process of what, what should we be thinking about in terms of refreshing? How often should we be looking at the user experience? How often should we look at the content? Like, is there some something you could recommend in terms of some kind of cadence that we should be looking at things and looking at maybe? making changes or improvements or integrating new technologies? Yeah, there's a methodology that is called Agile. And what Agility does is, um, in the past, people will say, hey, Scott, can you build me this product? You will go indoors with your team, close the door, and in six months, you will come back and say, hey, here's what I built for you. And then I will be like, that's not what I asked for, right? So you will go close doors again and, Come back. <clears throat> so agility is really to stay away from that. And so what we do, there, there's a couple of uh, methodologies that people can uh, look for. One is uh, agile methodologies and then the scrum methodology. But what it really does is if you apply it is getting together a team, setting up a goal that is a three-month goal, and then do checkups every month and then break it down into every 15 days. So the team knows what to work on in the next two weeks. Plus, you know what you're going to get in a month, in three months, release date. So let's say you set a release date every three months, you release, and then you continue working on the other parts that you didn't work on, right? Until you release the product. So it's basically you break the whole scope into pieces that you can do releases more constantly. And it can be applied to anything. Yeah. We apply it to anything. Yeah. And that takes planning. And and sometimes I, I don't know that we yeah. see that often with our clients. If I ha- so this is another question, the really important question that we get is if my website is designed to create leads, 
what are the most important metrics I should be looking at in terms of optimizing the performance of my site? Yeah, if you're generating leads, uh, I will say making sure all the, the funnel, what we call the funnel, uh, it's, it's clear, right? So when you're doing the metrics, uh, you have to set up uh, different, let's not say cookies, let's say, I don't want to get too technical. But what happens is you have to first create, it's called the user flow map, right? The user flow map is going to tell you, well, the person is going to start on a, on a landing page. They're going to go uh, into a post landing page, thank you page. And now they're going to get a communication that is an email. And then that email is going to, uh, it's going to be a follow-up email three times, once every week until they convert. So each one of those touch points is going to have a specific metric and, and a Google um, tag that you can that you can manage. And then you're going to see how it breaks. You're going to see if the form is working. You're going to see if they're getting their email, if they're open the email. So KPIs will be open rate. Uh, and then getting people conversion rate will be people getting through the funnel. I would say that's very easy. Many people know about it, but uh, executing on it is uh, is key, right? So it's measuring every one of those pieces of communication, see how people are uh, reacting to it, and then uh, optimizing those communications. Right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it makes sense, and it sounds easy, but it's a lot of times <laughs> much more difficult. Exactly. Are there are there anything that Anything that people can look at, marketers can look at, digital people can look at in terms of user experience where there might be breaks or where there might be um, areas where you know that there's just, it's not a consistent flow for the user. There's certain like hot spots within websites where you see that, that there may not be something that flows the way that a user may want. Yeah. So, so again, and that's why I said, you know, you're never done with your website or your application, right? Because uh, a lot of what we do is we do heat maps. So here at Pixel, we have the, again, like three different teams. One is the user experience team, the tech team, and then the content team, digital marketing. And so what we look at is the analytics. We look at the heat maps. Uh, we look at uh, how the flow is affecting the user experience. And then we optimize on it. And that's why I was saying maybe it's easier if you set up goals that are every 15 days or every month, because now... You, you can get this data every day, right? So very important is collect your data. Make sure you collect the data. And once you're collecting the data, now you can optimize. So you collect, you set up these uh, different, um, I will say UTMs or whatever it's called. Those are for tracking. Once you get your tracking ready, now you can optimize. Now you're going to see the flow uh, happening. And what's not happening, that's what you go and you optimize. Um, that's why you need a, um, what we call a collaboration team that is a multidisciplinary team. Mm -hmm. That team has a user experience person, has a tech person, has a content writer, and has a designer. Why? Because some of it will break along the way, and you need the team to work together you know, to fix it yeah. or to create something new. All right, we're, get, we're getting to the end here. If anyone's looking to reach out to Pixel 506, you can visit our website under the partners. There's a logo there for Pixel that will click on. You can get to their website or you can go directly to the website, Pixel 506. We'll also have contact information for Antonio. Last question. You mentioned this beginning. I want to come back to your personal story about being in Costa Rica and New York. 
Uh, you talk real quick about where you are trying to get back to New York and the, t- <laughs> the challenges that you've had. Jesus, it's, it's been crazy. With this whole pandemic, I, I came to Costa Rica for a small trip and then with uh, Mr. President uh, decided to cut everybody that is good. I believe that is good for the country, right? Um, so they took my visa away. And uh, now we're fighting that to get it back so that we can go back into the New York office. Luckily enough, uh, our clients and everybody else knows the, the work that we produce and they trust that you know, things are happening. So we haven't been affected on that end, but uh, it's crazy the fact that you, you know, you're doing good for, for the U.S. economy and, and then something like this happened. Uh, but many friends has helped. Uh, I don't know if that, that's a good story. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reality of the world that we're in right now. Yeah. And, you know, here's someone who's, uh, you know, got a thriving business and we're in our current administration is making it hard for, you know, you to conduct business in the U S and, and employ people. It's, just, it's, it's unbelievable. And so hopefully this will yeah, end and, soon. And we employ people in the U S right. It's yeah. not all, it's not near short and it's people yeah. in the U S as well, but right. it's, it's the reality of the, what's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have you back in the U.S. and hopefully I'll be able to travel up to New York to see you soon. All right. Definitely. Thank you, Antonio. I appreciate you being on today. Thank you.